Hello, everyone. I'm Al Daldegan, creator and producer of the Leaders, Innovators, and Big Ideas podcast, supported by Rainforest Alberta. This podcast showcases the people who are working to improve Alberta's innovation ecosystem. This episode is brought to you by SAIT's School for Advanced Digital Technology, an innovation hub disguised as a post-secondary institution where creators, educators, and learners like you are coming together to transform tomorrow. Boost your skills with tech boot camps and carve out a new career path through dynamic, future-forward courses. The world of work is evolving. Future-proof yourself with SAIT's School for Advanced Digital Technology. This episode is hosted by Rebecca Finley-Shidlowski. Rebecca is a management consultant who specializes in governance and strategic planning. She has worked with hundreds of boards and senior management teams in the startup, private enterprise, not-for-profit, and public sectors across Canada. An accomplished speaker and facilitator, Rebecca and her colleague Jeff Homer host workshops specifically targeted at helping startups understand governance complexities. And in this episode, Rebecca has a chat with Gayathri Shukla. Take it away, Rebecca. So welcome to another episode of Leaders, Innovators and Big Ideas. I'm so excited to have our latest guest with us here today, Gayathri. So welcome to our show. Thank you, Rebecca. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Now, I'm so excited to dive into our conversation. I, I know you and I have so many things that we can chat about, and we were already doing that in a bit of our preamble here. So I thought you could jump in with a little bit of an overview of who you are. Absolutely. So a little bit about myself. I am an engineer by background. I lead digital transformation programs in the energy sector, and I'm also an entrepreneur. I, I'll say that proudly now. I moved to Calgary when I was 15 years old, and prior to that, I lived in uh, two countries, first in India, where I was born, and then Saudi Arabia, where my dad had worked as an engineer. And looking back, I think that's probably where I first got my inkling for engineering, just seeing my dad uh, be part of the profession and also growing up near and around refineries. Um, I remember distinctly so many times passing refineries on the highway on my way to school and that. And so fast forward many years, it turned out to be no surprise that I ended up taking electrical engineering uh, here at the University of Calgary. I moved to Fort McMurray soon after. I first did my internship there at Syncrude and I remember really enjoying that opportunity to be in the field and to learn in a plant environment, which I guess you could say isn't the typical traditional choice for of a career for women. Um, but in my case, I just fell in love with the profession and I really got to build a solid hands-on work experience in, in the area of automation. So uh, that really cemented my passion for technology. And then about after seven years in Fort Mac, I moved back to Calgary, still with Suncor, and I moved into more of the leadership and project management roles. Uh, I got to be part of a really uh, cool Greenfield project, a $17 billion project, Fort Hills, uh, which was another turning point for me. I just realized how as much as I enjoyed the technical side of engineering, I also quite liked the business side. So I decided to enroll at Queens um, and got my executive MBA two years ago. And it was during the MBA that I, I specialized in social impact. And I also delivered a, a thesis on digital innovation. Um, and so this is where I guess my love for technology merged with my love uh, for innovation. Uh, and I know we'll talk about this 
in more detail later. But I think what's interesting for me now is that that's serendipitously unfolded into this entrepreneurial path uh, as the founder of Campfire Kinship, which is really um, about converging at that intersection between innovation and social good. So I'll leave it there for now. That was such a fantastic intro. There's definitely so much to unpack with what you just said there. And what an amazing journey that you've had coming from India to Saudi to Calgary to Fort McMurray and then back again. So when you take a look at what's happening in Calgary's ecosystem, when we think about those green initiatives that are happening or that diversification that's happening in our, our economy, would you mind sharing kind of what you're seeing even at Suncor or the other technology impacts that are occurring? Absolutely. You know, what I can say is even in the last decade and a half that I've been part of the energy industry, I'm, I'm seeing a huge uh, shift in the way that we think about innovation. Um, there's definitely an appetite for um, technology innovation, given the digital transformation trends in Industry 4.0. Uh, there's also a huge business case for driving the energy transition. And so I think there's a real recognition for the need to bring in new ideas and perspectives. And I think this is where the inclusion and diversity conversation becomes so critical because we absolutely want to hear uh, those voices that um, maybe traditionally weren't at the table before, because these are the voices that have different ideas that we can leverage to build a more inclusive environment. So I think Calgary is on that trajectory and I'm quite positive about what the future can hold for us as a city. I agree too. I think that there are so many amazing initiatives that are just happening right below Calgary surface. And I wanted to turn now to your initiative, Campfire Kinship. And if you can talk to us about how you're really using that platform to expose listeners to some fantastic stories that they probably otherwise wouldn't be able to hear. Yeah, absolutely. So Campfire Kinship is initially a storytelling project that I just started over the pandemic. Uh, I was looking for a creative outlet. Um, but also, I think it was intuitively something that I've been doing all along in my career is storytelling, um, because, you know, whenever I used to face a challenge, I would uh, just for myself write down self-reflections on how I was able to overcome these challenges. And then over time, looking back, I could connect the dots for myself as to the strengths that were really emerging in me. Um, and then I also learned how to sort of build and nurture a community around me through sharing these stories. And I discovered that by sharing stories that you could really bridge diversity, right? You could bridge differences amongst people. And so I was just doing that intuitively. And then over the pandemic, like I said, I was looking for a creative hobby. So I, I wanted to really shine a light on the voices of uh, unique and diverse role models, everyday role models, just living their purpose and creating an impact in the communities that they serve. And so I started doing that. And Rebecca, you were part of one of our uh, fireside chats on the platform as well, which I really enjoyed. And I just got to see how important and how fulfilling it is to invite folks to share their stories, because I think it in, just invokes this natural curiosity amongst um, everybody, right, to learn about someone and learn about their story and their journey. And so I, I do this now as part of um, my efforts to build a more inclusive and empathetic world, really uh, to celebrate our unis unity and diversity by sharing the stories of these role models. I love the platform and I got to say that anyone that's listening right now, please check out Guy Theory's platform. I know it's on Instagram. Are there, how else can people listen into your episodes? Yeah, so it is on Instagram. It's also, uh, there are also workshops that I run now um, called Guided Autobiography. And 
what it is, uh, is it, it's a structured method, and I'm certified in this method now to reflect on our life events and experiences and be able to preserve those uh, stories, but also share them in really small and supportive group settings. So it's actually quite transformative because what I've been able to witness in these small groups that I lead is people across multiple different backgrounds being able to really connect with each other at a human to human level, break through perceived differences or barriers, both for themselves and for others. Uh, I've seen individuals being able to now really hone in and accept their true authentic selves and the gifts that they bring um, that maybe previously they had kind of hid away because it wasn't accepted in mainstream or whatever. Um, and so I see them stepping into their own potential and self-confidence. And I also see them sort of being able to accept others for the value that they bring and, and accept them despite the differences. So uh, I lead these workshops now and I would love to, if anyone's interested, to encourage you to also check out uh, the guided autobiography method of um, storytelling and tapping into our potential. I love that. I think that that's so cool what you're doing in it. It sounds like a phenomenal project. And if you think about historically the narrative that's existed in Calgary, we've been a very one track economy. And now as we're slowly diversifying, I think your project is incredibly important for individuals that are maybe not in that oil and gas sector and are exploring other avenues to bring revenue and economy to our to our beautiful city. And so I love that you're helping get them on that track of feeling that self-confidence. And if you wouldn't mind, are there some some stories that you could share with us of maybe some people that are doing some unique things that you see? Absolutely. I've had the pleasure of interviewing um, a, a few really amazing people um, on Camp Fred Kinship. I've also written articles for Avenue Magazine uh, and of Calgary Arts Development as well to showcase these folks. And uh, lots of, it's hard to pick one single individual because it's almost like everybody that I meet, I am uh, just fascinated by what drives them, what makes them tick and the unique value that they bring to the economy. But I think one individual I would call out is a Salima Stanley Banji, who just recently won the uh, um, CIWB uh, award for social entrepreneurship. She's the CEO of Humanology. And I had the pleasure of working with her for Empathy Week as well. Um, I led a guided autobiography workshop for Empathy Week to help people come together again to build empathy across uh, diversity. And so I think she's got a really unique story about her mission at uh, Humanology to increase inclusion and reduce discrimination. I think um, that's definitely one story on the Calgary Arts Development article that I wrote that I would encourage listeners to check out. It sounds like it. Wow. I know that I've definitely listened to a few and I've really enjoyed listening and you're such a natural interviewer. So it's very engaging. and <laughs> such great storytelling. So when you think about Calgary going into the future, what are some of the big changes that you see happening here? I think the biggest change is going to be the way in which we can diversify our economy. And the reason I say that is, uh, yes, I, there's been energy has been a huge focus and I don't see that going away anytime soon. And specifically when I say energy, I'm, I'm thinking about oil and gas. I think that's going to continue to drive our economy because it's just such a critical commodity that we all need. Uh, and at the same time, I think there's going to be a focus on diversifying those energy sources to a more renewable source. Uh, as well as leveraging technology, as I mentioned before, with the trends in digital transformation to, to make things more productive and safe and uh, creating the kind of uh, spaces where people can bring their, uh, their potential. 
And so I think that's where the direction is heading. Um, and I do want to touch a little bit around the storytelling side now, because Rebecca, I think one of the things that you and I have talked about before is um, how do we encourage typically the voices that have been unheard to be able to participate and really bring and harness that talent, right? Um, because I think we end up doing a huge disservice to ourselves if we don't harness the talent of the diversity that's available in this city. Um, I see folks from so many different parts of the world who are able to contribute to our economy and to our society and some of these stories I have featured on Campfire Kinship. Uh, and I just see that there's such an untapped potential that's available in our city. And if we could leverage their perspectives, leverage their new ideas, and leverage uh, the talent that they bring, I think that the future is really going to be bright for our city. So on that similar vein, I do know that you're involved with the Calgary Immigrant Women's Association. So could you tell me a little bit about your work there and how it's really helping help those women as they come to our city? Yeah, absolutely. I love being part of ASIBA, Calgary Immigrant Women's Association. I got that right. <laughs> I'm uh, on the board of the Governance Committee and uh, I've been with SIBA for two years now. We have a fantastic uh, board. We have a fantastic CEO, Baba Sugir, and the leadership team, as well as all of the people and the volunteers that work at SIBA. Um, SIBA's mission is to enrich uh, the lives of immigrant women and the contributions that they bring to our Canadian society. And I feel like, again, this is one of those uh, stories that need to be told just to kind of showcase and highlight the contributions that immigrants bring to our country and i think there's so many positive examples but for whatever reason those examples aren't always well known and so the work that siwa does is to um, help ensure effective settlement and integration by providing a multitude of different services from family programs to language um, support even child care support and so siwa does a phenomenal job in the community uh, to really be able to help women who come to our country to lead a really dignified life um, here in the city and, and be able to contribute back their potential and, and their talents that they bring. So what phenomenal work. Wow. I know we always hear about how it's really women that can help uplift societies. And so I think that places that have organizations like CIWA, it, we're so lucky for the work that you're doing there. So thank you for volunteering that time on that board. When we think about storytelling, Gayathri, what are kind of some of your ideas about how we can help reach these individuals who haven't had their stories shared before? What's your advice to them to get their voices heard? What a great question, Rebecca. You know, one of the typical barriers that I see is just even the lack of awareness of the the diverse perspectives that these individuals bring, which kind of perpetuates a bit of the a cycle of low self-confidence, I'll call it, right? For folks who are, who have these stories to kind of then say, well, I don't really have anything worth sharing. You know, nobody's reached out to me or it can't be that important because nobody really cares. <laughs> and that's the cycle that I'm really trying to break through Campfire Kinship to um, reinforce for people that it doesn't matter where you're from, uh, what you look like, what you sound like, you have a story that's worth sharing. You have unique gifts and you have a potential that is just waiting to be untapped. And, and that's something that's worth sharing. And so what I specifically as advice, what I offer to folks is really go on that journey first of self-reflection um, to understand sort of what are those key moments in their life that shaped them to become who they are. Because I guarantee that when you can self-reflect and think through that critically, you're you are going to 
come across, stumble across many sort of gems in your treasure box to say, wow, these were the moments that have made me who I am, that have made me resilient, that have made me courageous. And th these are the stories that are absolutely worth worth sharing. And so I definitely offer some support in, uh, to folks to help uh, give them a way to articulate their stories as well and to really stand out in that unique way. But I guess my number one advice would be just to have that self-awareness to say that I'm worth sharing the story that I have to share. And just because it hasn't been told in this way before or just because I haven't seen this type of mainstream uh, stories being shared, that doesn't at all preclude those stories from being shared. I love that. And I think that you have such a natural gift to make people feel like they are important. And I wish that other people would just take that extra time to make each other feel important because I feel like we don't do enough of that. And so I really admire that in you. And I, I wish that there was more people like you. We should just carbon copy you. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for saying that, Rebecca. I think that a lot of this is also fueled from my own experiences, right, as, as a woman of color, uh, you know, working up at site, which isn't typical, like I mentioned before, uh, and then even just overcoming these barriers for myself um, and the barriers specifically towards being seen and being heard and being valued. And I've learned a lot through that journey. And I feel like it's such fulfilling work for me to be able to share that knowledge and give back what I know and help individuals do this for themselves. Because I think that's how you create true inclusion is by genuinely being curious about each other and each other's experiences and listening, right? Deeply listening to each other and, and moving forward together. So I am more than happy to play my small role in this in the solution space on the building inclusive cultures. Well, it's interesting that you say small role because I, I feel like you're definitely selling yourself short there. This podcast is all about big ideas and what a fantastic idea just to go back to that core of who we are and understanding who are those that we're interacting with on a day-to-day -day basis and what really drives them and how can we be inclusive and really work together to build a better future. And so I really congratulate you for that work because I think that that's an important stepping stone. And I, I think we focus too much on the surface sometimes and we don't go yes. deep enough to really make those connections. And at the end of the day, I think we all want the same thing. We all want our communities to be thriving and successful and to help each other. And I think so much of it happens where we just have this disconnect where we forget who our neighbors are. And so I think exactly. it's really beautiful what you're doing. <laughs> Thank you so much, Rebecca. And thank you for that call out too. I, I think, you know, I say small things, but I, I think it's so small incremental steps that lead to big transformative change, right? And sometimes I feel like we might be too focused on what's that next big idea that's going to break through um, and create all this massive change, but it can just be as simple as talking to your neighbor, like you pointed out, right? And getting to know them and getting to know, know their story. And, and that one kind of action ripples out to multiple other people. And before you know it, I think we're well on our way towards building the world that we all wanna see for, for ourselves and as well as our future generations. So that's why I'm so passionate about this, about doing what I do. Absolutely. I can feel your passion through the Zoom screen. It's so cool. <laughs> Guy Three, you talk a lot about curiosity and I definitely agree that that's such an untapped adjective action that a lot of us don't explore. Are there other actions that you think that each of us could benefit from taking to lead a better life? Ah, what a wonderful question. Rebecca, I'm going to maybe answer this in a slightly different way and maybe a, a little bit of an academic way, because I actually want to share with you what I learned about 
storytelling as well as building innovation through my MBA. Um, and I think there's some gems in there for sort of the ways that people can uh, embody these different behaviors to create a more inclusive and innovative community. So just bear with me for one minute, but you know, interesting that I learned, I mentioned that I did a thesis on digital innovation during the MBA and I specialized in social impact. So I really just, what I did was I studied all of the different ways in which communities as well as companies, small, big, medium companies innovate and what separates the best from the rest. And really interestingly, it came down to how effective people are at listening to the lived experiences of those who face whatever issues that is that we're trying to solve. So rather than trying to make assumptions of, you know, what people are going through or what the issues are, how about we just put ourselves in their shoes and really listen to understand their lived experiences. Because when you can get that understanding of the lived experiences, you're in a much better position to uh, be able to co-create new ideas, uh, you know, co-develop and co-design new solutions that are going to make lives better. Based on all of that research uh, I studied, that became like kind of the number one conclusion of how companies and how communities uh, innovate is through this method that, you know, there's a term for it called human-centered design. Um, which really, again, comes back to storytelling and comes back to understanding and listening to lived experiences to figure out new ways of doing things. And so I almost feel like to answer your question, listening is such a huge part of that. And also empathy is a huge part of that. And I think there's definitely ways that people can become empathetic. Uh, I don't think this is just something that we're all born with and it's done. I think we can all grow our capacity to be more empathetic, uh, to be more curious. And it really just comes down to, you know, how can I put myself in the shoes of the other person to understand what it is that they're going through? I don't have to have gone through the exact same experience that they have. Um, I don't have to try to fix their issue or try to sympathize with their issue. All I need to do is spend a little bit extra time uh, to have the patience and the courage to really sit with them and to hold space for understanding, um, helping them kind of even listening to whatever it is that they're going through and helping them come to the, the, the realization that what they have sharing is worth sharing back to this point on storytelling. So there might be a little bit of a long winded way of, <laughs> of giving that advice, but I think curiosity and empathy are really those big drivers in behavior that's going to um, shift how we innovate. I love it. I think that those are two fantastic qualities that we could definitely use more of in society. And, you know, it's interesting too, like even at the the leadership philosophies that are really changing, you have your Brene Browns of the world that are really focusing on daring to lead and bringing more in those soft skills that have been so overlooked, I think for decades, and we've been starved of in the corporate world. And it's really refreshing to hear people like yourself talk about the importance of empathy and curiosity. And it seems like such a simple thing to do. And yet I don't know why we don't practice that often. And, you know, we work a lot with boards and people get into fights around the board table and you kind of wonder if we took a step back and actually learned about each other first, maybe the same kind of issues could be resolved much quicker just by understanding where each of us is coming from. So I, I love that approach. I think it's really fantastic. Exactly. Oh, for sure, Rebecca. And I think there's, it's also such a, a big tool for conflict resolution, right? Um, not saying that everything can be solved just by, uh, you know, empathy or listening. There are obviously circumstances that might dictate other approaches, but 
I think it's just spending that extra time really and, and getting to know someone uh, can do wonders even from a leadership perspective. So I think definitely there's the, those Brene Browns and the other set, the, the other paradigms that are shifting around even leadership. And I see it traditionally moving from the, the kind of concept of command and control to more of a that empathetic, inclusive, authentic leadership style. So I'm sure there's lots we can talk about that. Guy three, it was so fantastic to have you on our podcast here today. Are there any final thoughts that you'd like listeners to take away from our conversation? Absolutely, Rebecca. Thank you for um, inviting me today. I, I had a great time being on this podcast. I think the one final thing I would say is we're in a really challenging time, right? And um, not, that's kind of an understatement, but we do live in a world um, that's shifting so quickly. And I think there's a lot of angst and uncertainty. And it's this, is, this isn't even just about COVID. I think it goes beyond the pandemic. It goes into the economic impacts that we're all dealing with, um, you know, the social inequities and divisiveness that we've seen that we're kind of grappling with. So I think there's a lot of angst um, and ambiguity and complexity. There's actually a term for it. I think it's called VUCA, which stands for volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. So I think we're all kind of in the midst of that. And what I would say or offer for folks just to, you know, help build the personal resilience um, in handling the the world that we're in is just going back to the the basics, right? Of being there for each other, being kind to the people that uh, our neighbors or the, the people that we interact with, uh, being empathetic, listening. I think those are skills that sometimes may be undervalued, like you said, Rebecca, but I think that's exactly what we need to um, be stronger together. And I think we've seen great examples of that during the pandemic and we will continue to find innovative solutions to to work on these complex problems. And I'm so happy to support in any way that I can for people that are looking to, you know, help tell their stories or if they're looking to build these skills and empathy and understanding people of diverse experiences and skill sets. I'm really happy to explore that with folks and share whatever it is that I know and contribute in this way. So thank you once again for having me on this podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here. If you haven't already, visit rainforestab.ca and sign the Rainforest Social Contract. Become part of the inclusive, silo-busting, sector-agnostic, all-industry, open-sourced, ego-shrinking, ecosystem-building, entrepreneur-focused, wide-open, social barrier-smashing community known as Rainforest Alberta. This episode is brought to you by SAIT's School for Advanced Digital Technology, an innovation hub disguised as a post-secondary institution where creators, educators, and learners, like you, are coming together to transform tomorrow. Music for the show was created by Tony Deldegan. Please be sure to share this episode with everyone you know. Also, don't forget to come by and say hi at the next Rainforest event. Let us know what you think of this podcast. If you're interested in being either a host, sponsor, or a guest of the show, send me an email at rainforestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>